I'm here with my friend Tim Smith. He is the uh, number one agent team lead of the Smith Group in Orange County, California. Tim, so thanks so, so much for joining us today. Appreciate you taking time out of your hectic schedule. Um, tell us a little bit about sort of you know what you're seeing. Most of the people joining us today kind of know your background and who you are. Um, but you know what? Where was your business say? You know, before March 15th, when all this craziness set in. Business is a little different. You know, social distance. You want to live as close. We don't have the same public transportation, so it hasn't hit us from a standpoint as hard, fatally, or even actual number of cases. Right. But it's amazing how it's hit us. The same businesses, like all of our businesses, our beaches, everything's closed down. Right. Huh. So we started our our business. I mean, we were on pace to list more properties. We we're going on more listing appointments. We literally had the best March that we've ever had wow. from a sales data standpoint, right? You mean and as a county? Means, I'm in Orange County, but we really work on coastal Orange County. If you were to take right. the county as a whole, it's like it's different than just my marketplace. Now, we'll sell anywhere, but our the, you know 90% of the transactions we do are kind of in a little band that follows the coastline from you know, really the northern part of the county to the southern part of the county. Yep. We'll do stuff that's inland, but not a ton of stuff. So, sure. so that being said, uh, we saw, we've seen the best March we've ever seen from, a, you know, from price per square foot, from sales volume, number of transactions. Um, and then, you know, April, so this sets in. Now, obviously, we're still going to see the data because right out of the gate, you started to see, and I don't know if this was the same for you, I'd be really interested. But right out of the gate, we started to see um, transactions getting shaky. So, you know, when, when pre-coronavirus, I think we had closed $75 million for the year. Okay. And I think number of transactions, I'm going to guess, call it 35, okay. maybe less, yep. 30, which we were on pace to have a better year and to grow, you know, record year. So twenty six. I just want to. I just want to. I just want to uh, sort of qualify that for everybody watching. That that's you as a team, right? Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I run a team. I have seventeen agents. Right out of the gate, though, when we started, like escrow started canceling immediately. I don't know if you experienced the same thing. Well, we the, have our, our business is set up a little bit differently because you guys, you know, are are more like the rest of the country in that you basically, you know, you'll have an accepted offer, you'll sign a binder, then you'll go into due diligence. And, and there's a lot more sort of uh, uh, flexibility uh, for both buyer and seller in that, in that uh, frame of time uh, where people can, you know, bail out of deals or, you know, change terms, et cetera, because you go into inspections and attorney review. Whereas here, when people sign a contract, they're in it to win it. And the only way that they can really get out of it is if uh, they get um, declined for financing, if their deal happens to be contingent on financing, which you know most of the sort of average price point of $2 million and up are non-contingent deals, um, or if God forbid one or both parties involved in the contract should, should die, it's called the death clause. So out, out by you and in most areas of the country, you, what you were saying is true and that people can cancel deals you know, within weeks or sometimes months after signing contracts, right? I mean, it is, but I, I mean, let me ask you a question about your deals because we've never, I've never had this and maybe this isn't the time to talk about it. So you're yeah. saying once you take an accepted deal, 
there is no contingencies? I'm saying that, you know, most deals at $2 million and up are made on what's called a non-contingent basis, meaning it's not contingent on an inspection, it's not contingent on a property, on another property sale, and it's not contingent on the buyer's ability to get financing. So got it, there's, got there's it. typically like a five or 10 day window after yeah. somebody accepts an offer, which is all verbal here, that, right. that the buyer concludes their due diligence, which isn't so much as an inspection, but reviewing board meeting minutes for co-op or condo associations and reviewing the financials and the offering plan, getting the contract into final form. Then the buyer signs puts down 10% of the of the purchase price as a contract deposit, and then the buyer the seller turns around right away and signs, and both parties are are in it to win it. Okay, so we I mean it's 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 interesting because you're right. We have generally about a 17 to 21 day you know call it all in contingencies inspection yeah. financing appraisal. However, this is different. People were canceling after they had removed contingencies. And basically, that would mean they're forfeiting their 3% deposit. But let's just not get bogged down in the details. So yeah, 26 yeah, yeah. deals in escrow, six deals fell apart right away. We had 19 other ones. You know, we closed 10 of those other nine. You know, now it's been seven of closed, two are still vulnerable. Yeah. And we've probably put only five new deals, six new deals in escrow in a month, which is very shy for us. I mean, that's yeah. low for us. Yeah. And I think the difference though here, we're deemed an essential business. Yesterday I did four showings. Right. Right. Huh. So if you look at the, our data, and this is just my perspective, so I'm not going to go and say, hey, so we're down price-wise 4% already. Like you can actually Sorry, see it. Three to four percent. Yeah, yeah. And that's based on my uh, your perspective. Of what I had to do to make those deals that were in escrow stay in escrow. I mean, right. everybody wanted the COVID discount, and I was actually advising give them the discount because what I've found in any correction, and I've been through. You know, this is my twenty fourth year in real estate. I've yeah. only been through a few, but people that have an aggressive strategy on the front end of any correction always do better than those that wait sure because yeah. once you have to capitulate to any market correction yeah. you're going to be dealing with buyers that are a different buyer perspective and one of the things i know right now inventory rush we're at a huge shortage we're probably 50 percent below where we were eight weeks ago hmm. but but just where we are in the season of it yeah you know 28, 29% of clients that have their house on the market have taken their houses off the market. Yeah. And then new inventory that's always like, this is the biggest time of year is probably down 30, 25 to 30%, right? And then you're still seeing some deals go into escrow. Right. So that's like the challenging part. So, I mean, you're seeing this historic low interest inventory, right? Yep. And you're seeing these historic low interest rates, even though I, I'm sure you're experiencing there's interest rates when generally mortgage rates would follow suit, they're not following suit. Yeah, right? that's, really, that's really a control method by lenders because they, they can't keep, keep up with the volume. So they well, keep, so that's, they keep yeah, rates so, here, even though the 10 year is down here, doesn't matter, there's like a gap, right? Right, but see what's interesting is I always thought in the beginning, oh, it's because 
there's so much, so many people. It's a bandwidth issue, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like the volume, but, right. but what I've seen on a couple of deals is lenders that have given commitments, contingencies that have moved are still not funding the loans. And this is when you really like dig down and we talked to some of the presidents of banks, they can't sell pools of loans secondary market. They're not actually even set up to keep their own loans. So that's a bigger issue. Right. You know what I mean? That, right. That's a much, much bigger issue. So I'm seeing loan products that weren't available. But all that being said, you're seeing way, you know, inventory that's super low. You're seeing interest rates, but going back to what I was saying, and you're sitting on like tail of the best March in history. Yeah. So right now, people still have the call of March right behind us at the forefront of their minds. So maybe they're saying, hey, let's take a 2 3%. Uh, I mean, their opinion or appetite for real estate is going to be different than the guy that's making a decision in June or right. August or September. And I'm not saying I know it's going to happen. I've, been, I've stopped listening to people that tell me they know it's going to happen. Yeah. I just I can tell you what I know and what I don't know. The other thing yeah, that we're seeing is – the other thing we're seeing is uh, when, you know, when, when, when the stock market's volatile, we, see, we always see a spike in our real estate. People kind of flood to our real estate. I don't know how it is in other areas, but people want the second homes. They trust it, even though, you know, there's been four huge market cycles in the last 40 years. Our market's up 800%. So it's like, and it's like a great place to live. And then kind of the last thing I was thinking um with that is our online analytics yeah. so you are are through the roof now it started and they kind of fell off when this covid thing started and i love how people are saying like pre-covid during covid and after covid because it really helps so sure. right right when covid started our online activity for real estate died and then it's just it's like built like day by day people are Shit. stuck at home they're, right. they're done look, watching Netflix and porn or whatever they do. And they're, now they're looking at houses, right? And they're spending the right. time doing it. And we're seeing that. We're seeing like that's probably one of the biggest activities of every day is what can we create content Because even though you may, may not be doing the showings or seeing the escrows we've been seeing in the past, let's be on everybody's mind. Let's, let's get their eyes. Let's get them engaged. Let's get them watching especially when 50% of the people aren't on the market right now. I'm giving my sellers a total advantage to have them on the forefront to be seen, to be there, even though people may not be making decisions quite yet. And Tim, that leads me to my next question, which is you get a call from a seller and it's right in your wheelhouse as far as the type of home that they're thinking of selling. What's the advice that you give them as far as what to do today? given the circumstances. Yes, we're essential, but buyers are apprehensive. People aren't you know, doing open houses or they're even hesitant to, to come and look at a house in the physical sense. So what do you tell sellers? Do you list? Do you hold it in your pocket? Do you take it and you know, put it on in the future once things calm down? You know, what do you do? So I, I mean, that's a great question, but I really think it depends on the seller. I'm having, I'm actually like flipping it. I'm flipping my script and saying, you tell me. How important is it that you sell right now? Well, I don't really have to sell, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, why are you calling me then? Yeah. Okay, well, I really have to sell. You know you know how sellers will be really like guarded about the truth of their motivation? Yeah. Like, do you want to sell or not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm like, because they're trying to get me 
they're cr- trying to sell me on me being able believing the highest price. I'm like, let's just make the assumption that no matter what we do, I'm going to get you the most exposure on your house. I'm going to give you the best chance to have multiple offers, which is going to create the best highest offer. And we're going to get you the best price in terms. Let's just make that assumption. And then I start asking about their motivation to sell. And then I start asking questions like, at what price are you not a seller? Can you hold on? What's your backup plan? How's your financing? Can you hold this? Like questions in 2008, I just didn't have, I don't know. I didn't have the expertise to really. You didn't have the repertoire. So now as we get through there, and if they're really guarded about it and say, I don't have to sell, I'm like, okay, call somebody else. Because ultimately it's like, I don't want to be in a situation where I have 90 or 100 or 150 listings with sellers that are, are, are discretionary sellers. Right. But people that are real sellers, I'm telling them, and this may be wrong, but this is just my experience and this is my gut. Yeah. People that have an aggressive strategy to sell in the beginning of a correction always do better than those that wait. And I, I've been using this a lot because like right now, buyers are like, okay, like my buyers, first of all, they can't even find any new inventory. So they really are thinking about compromising on something that's been on the market they've already seen just to get in a house. Now, it's not a ton of buyers, but it's some. And so I don't even know they're expecting a 2 to 4% discount right now based on the low inventory. Yeah. Right? But yeah, it's supply as, and demand as, at its finest. Right. As it, as it changes and you kind of bake in more inventory, all these things, I just have this feeling that when June comes around, no matter what happens with inventory, buyers are going to have a different appetite as far as price and terms because we, we're de- we definitely know sales volume and number of transactions is going to slow down, right? right? And we're, I think everybody would kind of anticipate you're going to see some sort of price adjustment. Just like, well, what's aggressive? I'm like, aggressive is price. And I'm also like aggressive is that you show your battle. You know, for us, construction, staging, painting, that's a, an essential business. And yeah. fortunately for me, all my guys are really available. And I don't know if it's because the workload's actually been less or if it's just they're dealing with clients less and not to talk to them all the time. But my guys are getting through houses, cleaning them up, painting them, getting them ready faster. And then I'm telling my clients – and a lot of them are fighting me and saying, I just don't know. I don't know if I want to go on the market yet. I don't know. And I'm like, let's look at the five or six ingredients of what it takes to make the recipe of a bull market. Yeah. Low inventory, low interest rates. Obviously, it can't be shortage in demand. That's right. the only one. But you look at great comps, like we're in like a marketplace where we have fantastic comps. Online analytics and engagement are through the roof stock market volatility helped drive people to real estate so yes we have a lack of demand of showings because we physically can't show the same way that we could show before yeah 55% of my clients are not from California they're physically not here but I am doing virtual showings for them you know and then the other piece is I mean so I'm telling people to go like don't wait because you want to be there I'm going to ask you a question guess what the biggest concern most sellers have about going live now virus aside you know there's this prevailing sense of uncertainty for whatever reason um and you come on now i would say because you're going to be perceived as being a vulnerable or 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 a desperate seller totally 
That and they don't want to accumulate days on market. Like days on market for us, and I know your MLS is different or your lack of or however you do it, but everybody here is like, oh my gosh, I don't want to show that I've been on the market 180 for this or that. But my question is, well, okay, so for the 27% of people in just Laguna Beach, 27% of those current listings that have come off the market, do you think the buyer really doesn't know that they were on the market right before it? They do. It's all like everything now can, you can see history. That is not a reason, in my opinion. It's like the old Michael Jordan thing. And I don't know if you're watching. Did you watch yeah. episode one and yeah, two? It was, great. It was one unbelievable. And two last night. Uh, but, the, but, but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You can't sell if you're not on the market. So That's I right. get it. You may right. not sell. But when you look at like what could happen, well, what could happen is we see this avalanche of new homes come on the market because stimulus runs out. People don't go back to work. People need to sell their house. I don't really think that's going to happen. But then you have people that you're selling against that are selling out of necessity and fear. You try to get a buyer on the line when you don't need that at the price that you want. Right. Or like we're seeing, we're still seeing deals going escrow. And so what if you miss that buyer that's looking at right now, his appetite today, not yeah. June, not August, not September. So my overall feeling and gut is people that have an aggressive strategy do better in the front of corrections. And aggressive means being on the market and being priced right. Yeah. I love that tactic because, you know, it's like, it's like what Warren Buffett you know, would say, be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy. Right? right? So we have today, fear is at an apex. So it's time for sellers who are thinking about selling to be out there in, you know, in front of the fear, right? So if you wait for the fear to settle or the perception of the fear to settle, you're actually going to be more vulnerable to these vulture-like buyers coming out looking for great deals in June because you're going to be asking what the comps were you know, two, three months ago, praying that the market is actually still there. And in the meantime, buyers are going to come out and they're going to undercut your, your offer by, you know, 20 or more percent. And you're going to be left as sort of like, you know, the, the last girl at the dance saying, okay, well, if this is where the market is, it's likely only to get worse because it's going to snowball. Because once those deals that are being done and say May, June, July start to show up in the data, well, then it's likely to have this sort of pervasive negative effect uh, going into the you know, third and fourth quarter. And it's going to take six months or longer for that data to work out uh, for the market to sort of stabilize. You know, I'd like to, to, take, to take your analogy further. Yeah. You're the last girl at the dance. You better hope you're good looking because there's a busload of the new girls coming into that auditorium that are shiny, bright that are going to be competing for those few guys attention. Like that's right. the reality. And that's the thing that scares me the most yeah. is if inventory increase, which it could like really could, because like I look at some of the things that I know right now, 23 million people unemployed, right? Yeah. You have no businesses. I used to be in commercial real estate and we had a hotel division, a medical office division. Go, nobody stayed in hotels. People went from a February. They're having the best outlook of, occupancy in the hotel industry in history to zero yeah. percent occupancy then you have the stimulus that goes out 350 billion it goes out to all these big companies mom pop shop 
small businesses, even us realtors, we don't get in line fast enough. We don't get, so you start seeing people's ability to hang on. They can only hang on so long. Right. And so once they can't hang on any longer, or these big businesses that already got the stimulus have to start laying off because there's no demand to travel, to go to restaurants, to go do normal life, no sporting, whatever. Then it's like, how long do those like lagging, you know, kind of indicators, like what happens then? And what happens yep. when we get back to business as usual and it's 30% and people are working a third of the time, but they still have 150% of the bills. Like how deep does this go? How long does this go if we don't get back to work? And it's really a challenging thing that all the politicians, and I love Cuomo. I think Cuomo has been amazing. I love to yeah. watch, yeah. you know, talking about family dinners and other, I mean, the guy's amazing. But at the end of the day, it's like, who knows how long this could take? And is it going to be on people's mind Tim, to I'll go buy you, new real you know, estate? Realistically, you know, there are different sectors of the economy, of course. You know, there's, there's real estate, then there's hospitality, which includes hotels and restaurants and there's entertainment and there's airlines and there's fine, you know, financial services. So, you know, I think these, these pillars of the economy, for the most part, you're going to see them, them pick back up manufacturing, et cetera. Um, but you're going to see them pick back up within three to six months. But in terms of lifestyle, let's say you're lucky enough to still have a job when all this is settled. Okay. So you still have a job. Are you going to be rushing out you know, to go back to Cancun or take your family on vacation, stay in a hotel, go to a theme park, go to a movie theater, go out to dinner. I, I don't think so. I think it's going to take a while and likely not until we have a vaccine will people be completely comfortable with the idea of rubbing elbows with strangers, either on an airline or, you know, out to dinner with their wife. So it's going to take a lot for us to get not only back to normal, but comfortable. And so, you know, where do you think that this this takes us in our industry if you look at sort of, you know, June, July, September, October, and then, you know, the first to 2021? Where are well, we? Well, so I had a couple of calls with like some higher ups at Zillow and different things through an organization I'm in. And it was so interesting because they're so data driven. Yeah. And what was interesting is this guy kept on talking about Greg Schwartz, which he used to be at Zillow. He kept on talking about the tell of two cities, right? Yep. And the tell of two cities are like coastal. I don't know how Manhattan where there's still a tremendous amount of wealth. Right. Right. And there's still a, a category because the other category that we haven't talked about of people I'm seeing are people that are stuck at home, like literally stuck at home. And they're, they know their home was, they never planned to live in their homes like they've lived in. I'm sure you, the people are feeling that in New York where they're in smaller apartments. Oh yeah. So this is actually motivating them to move. So there's that right. buyer. Right. But ultimately, I think there is probably the tale of two cities where you see areas that are more predominantly like working class, which may not be able to get out of this, which I think next year you're going to see a new set of a episode of 2008 to 2012, the short sales of foreclosures that I don't think it's going to happen this year because it's an election year. Nobody wants to see that happen in years. So this may be kicked out further. And then I think our markets, although I think sales volume and number of transactions will probably decline 30 to 50% for us, I think that you're going to see the agents that are really aggressive in this 90, 120 day period start picking up more of the market share 
and yeah. you're going to see an attrition rate of the 1.4 in real estate agents just start falling off. They can't do it. Yeah. But I think world in a bad and good way will never really be the same. And I right. think for our own self, I don't know if I want it to be. There's been this like overall reset for values and things that I think is probably a good thing for us. And I think we should take this. Like one of the things that I find so interesting is before this, everybody's like, if I just had a little extra time, I'd work out, do my home improvements. I'd start writing a book. I'd start doing this thing. <laughs> now they're stuck and they act like they're incarcerated, right? There's depression right. or cabin fever and I hate my spouse and like my <laughs> kids are driving me crazy. But yeah. it's like, this is one of those really weird times in life for personal growth. Like personal growth. When do you ever have, when have we ever seen this before? Like you have so much more time, no sports, no entertainment to do. If you take this opportunity, really take it as an opportunity, like a, a, a platform to grow. It's really quite interesting and amazing. Like it really is amazing. So it's yeah. like, I think that like for the good and the bad, I think we should live differently as we move forward throughout this and really take the lessons from it. It's interesting that you bring that up because it really is, you know, it's, it's really a tale of two mindsets, right? You can take advantage of this time, whether it be for, you know, personal or professional growth. People are saying, oh, the gyms are closed, so I can't work out. Well, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. There are a number of online platforms that are offering free classes to those who, you know, want to participate. Uh, you know, you, there are libraries that are offering free downloads of books. There are museums where you can do free walkthroughs and tours around the world of all these, you know, national historic sites. Um, and, you know, you can even take college classes for free. These are all for free. Um, and it's, it's just a question of whether or not we want to. Or do we want to park ourselves you know, in front of, you know, the negative news. I got news. I, I have news for those who are looking at the headlines perpetually. I know people that are just sitting in front of the TV. The news is not changing. There's a pandemic outside. There was a pandemic outside yesterday. Guess what? Tomorrow, there's going to be a pandemic, okay? So let's shut the news off. Let's focus on the positive. For those of us who are, you know, in the business, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity to not only, you know, reach out to our past clients, but we could, you know, reach out to our future clients. We could build our business right now and take advantage of the market share. It's not that the market share is disappearing. The market share instead is shifting, right? It's shifting from the people who are here and ready to, you know, take it by the horns or those who are letting it go. It's interesting because it's, it's really funny you said because really we have the time to do both. Because one of the things I found is I, my, my schedule is completely reset. And, yeah. you know, even though I prioritize my time well, and we're always focused on like appointments and contracts, it's like my, and my goal this year, 275 listing appointments. Well, as of that was pre COVID and we were on pace, we were like 50. I personally, this was my own listing appointments, not including my team. I was 57 after months. So I was way ahead of schedule, but then yeah. I kind of scrapped that, right? right. Like, Who's going to want to meet? But they picked up. But the other piece is like, you want your six pack? Now's your chance. You got no excuses. You want to learn to play the guitar? You want to visit those museums? You want to get that education? But it's become really difficult in households for people to get that mindset. And right. for me, if you don't start, if you don't, if you're not maniacal about your morning routine, you're done. Right. right? Like planning for me 
and morning routine. You do those, those two things are like the essentials for life. Because if you don't get your mindset right, you're not going to show up for anybody, including all those people that are like, Daddy, I need time. I'm, I'm like, or, you know what I mean? Right. And then the other thing is if you don't plan, like if you fail to plan, you probably fail. So those two things are like the key. But this really is some uh, amazing, it's an amazing time, unbelievable time. Yeah. So with that, Timmy, I, I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, everyone who's just joined us, this is Tim Smith. He's the uh, number one agent in coastal California. Orange County. Uh, he runs a team of about 20 people. Uh, they've done about a billion dollars in transactions just in the last couple of years. Uh, Timmy, I'll include your contact details, of course, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your thoughts, and uh, hopefully we can all get better together through this. Uh, so with that, um, I want you to have a fantastic day and uh, hope to see you soon, okay? Yeah, great to talk to you. And let's stay in touch. I want to hear. It helps me to hear on what's happening on the other side of the, you know, the East Coast to West Coast. So let's let's stay in touch. But appreciate your time today, Josh. Hundred percent, Timmy. Take care, man. See you, bud.